the Apostle Paul walks through the gates of a new city. It's full of sights and sounds that are unfamiliar to him. Local customs, cultures, languages, smells. Of course, it's also got all the familiarities of human life. And he walks in and he knows that what he has to do is attract the attention of the people living in that city. And then he's going to tell them something that they haven't heard of before and that most of them aren't going to like. It will seem foolish to them or worse. He's had rocks thrown at him for doing this. He's been thrown into prison on several occasions for doing this when he's gone into a new city. He knows that even those who respond positively to what he says, who believe the message that they hear, will go on to face many hardships as they learn to live in a different way uh, from the world around them. They may even cause hardships as they join with a community of other believers A community that has all the hallmarks of family life. Paul walks into the city knowing that this is what is ahead of him. And we know because he often told us how weak and inadequate he felt for the task in hand. Sometimes he was by himself as he made his way along the streets of a city he'd never been to before to tell people something they'd never heard of before. But he was never alone. Often he had other people with him because he much preferred to work in teams. One of those companions was a young man named Timothy, who was certainly no more confident or impressive than Paul was. We use phrases like change the world far too often, far too easily. But these guys actually did it. The Roman Empire that they walked through and negotiated crumbled. But the Christianity that they proclaimed lasted through that and continues to this day and continues around the world. And there are now today more people who are Christians than there ever have been before. And for all its influence and might, the Roman Empire remains a historical matter of interest to some of us. Whereas Christianity is alive and real and important today. How did this happen? How can Christians in our city, or wherever it is that you come from, how can we, where the vast majority of people around us think that what we believe and want to tell them is foolish at best, how can we make a difference? How can we bring any kind of significant real change? How can you keep going when the, acts, when the odds seem so stacked against you? Maybe you've recently decided to follow Jesus. Maybe even last Sunday you made a response uh, when we told you you could have this free offer of life and forgiveness in God through Christ. And you responded and it was wonderful. And then since then the magnitude of that decision has just been impressed upon you. The total impact of that on your life the perhaps less than enthusiastic response of those around you when you told them about it. And you're thinking, man, this was a bigger deal than I realised. Or perhaps you made that decision decades ago 
And the, uh, the, the challenges and the fears you face are different to what they were then, but they're no less present in your life. Maybe wherever you're coming from, you're thinking, I can't do this. Well, you're halfway to being right. You're right, you can't do this. But if you stay there, you've missed what God has got for you. See, here's how Paul began a letter to Timothy as he faced his own death and he considered how Timothy and the others would carry on without him. We're going to read uh, the start of Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read quite a bit of it and then we're just going to focus in on a couple of verses. But this is how those guys who changed the world, this is how they spoke to each other. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I mean, there's a lot in there, but I just want to focus in on verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I believe that God wants to say that to you today. He wants to say that to all of us, that he wants to give us his power. He wants to give us his love. He wants to give us his self-control. And some of you are going to receive these things as gifts for the first time. You've never experienced them before. You're going to experience them today. And others of us are going to be encouraged afresh We're going to have these gifts. We're going to fan them back into flame. We're going to remind ourselves of them, receive them in a new way. We desperately need them. Because when you say, I can't do this, you're only half right. What often we feel in that moment is you think, I just can't do this. And so we stop. 
But the message of God is you can't do this. So be filled with my spirit that you might have power and love and self-control so that you can do this. That's the offer that God's making to us today. It's my observation of myself and of other Christians that when they try to do these things without God's Holy Spirit, it doesn't go right. There's a fear that Paul mentions, there's a, this timidity, uh, this kind of willingness almost to surrender at the first suggestion of opposition. Culture says you need to do it like this, and so people say, of course, of course. They're fearful of being rejected, of being mocked, of being disliked or whatever. They work really hard, but it's all about self-effort. It's all about, I've got to make this happen, I've got to make this happen. And that is both powerless and exhausting. They are uncaring or thoughtlessly accommodating rather than truly loving. These are the kind of things that happen and we can recognise those things in our own lives when we don't have the power of the Spirit within us. And it's tragic because all the while God is willing and able to give us these things. Let's look at how he does this. So the translation says... uh, God gave us a spirit, uh, not of fear, and, but of power and love and of self-control. And that sounds, a spirit sounds like that's part of your character. It's a characteristic or a personality aspect of you. But I don't think that's Paul's point. It's slightly tricky because that word spirit does sometimes refer to that, and it sometimes refers to the Holy Spirit. The word gift that Paul says there is charisma. And that word Paul often associates with the things that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And as we start to think about that, we then think power, love, self-control. Well, when you read Paul's writings, these are things that he says are the works of the Holy Spirit within us. He says you can't work that up in yourself. And then this is how the section starts and the section ends in verse 14 with him saying, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Guard the good posit entrusted to you. And so what Paul is saying at this moment is that God has given us his Holy Spirit. He hasn't tweaked our personality. He's given us his Holy Spirit. You might be, all right, well, what's that then? Who's that? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God himself. In a form we cannot see. When God came to us as Christ Jesus, people could see him. He had flesh and blood and he was in a particular place at a particular time. The Holy Spirit is God come to us without flesh and blood and able to meet with us and all sorts of other people at the same time in all sorts of places at once. He is the presence and power of God with us right now. God always wants to be with us. He always wants us to be with him. That's why he made the earth. He made it so that we would have a place to dwell where he could come and be with us. That's why Jesus came when we ruined that relationship and when we separated ourselves from God by our sin. So Jesus came to make a way back for us. He says, I am the way to the Father that you might come and be with God. That's why Jesus is returning and God will come and bring heaven and earth together that we might be with him forever. That's God's plan and purpose. And that's why God has sent the Holy Spirit to live in us now. 
a taste of what is to come and the grace that we need to live for him today. Now, every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them because you can't realise that Jesus is Lord and you can't give yourself to him unless God's Holy Spirit comes and opens your eyes, as it were, to the truth of this. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. But God wants to give you more and more of his spirit. Because you can be a Christian here today, and when you hear me say, God wants you to have power and love and self-control, and you then assess yourself, you think, I'm pretty much around naught out of three on those things. God says, yes, so I'm going to give you more of my spirit. Paul is talking directly to Timothy here, but the principle is for all of us. The Gospels are clear that everything Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you read the Gospels realising this, you just see it all over the place. Luke says uh, that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. At Jesus' baptism, it says, the Spirit of God fell upon him. And John the Baptist said, I saw the Spirit fall on him and stay on him. And on and on it goes through the rest of the gospel. You see the Spirit at work with Jesus. And this means that we can follow him and do the things that he did. Because if Jesus is acting in his divinity, we can't do that. But Jesus says to us, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In the way that the Father sent me, I'm now going to send you. And John says, he immediately, after saying this, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is how you're to live, Jesus says. This is who you need. In the first sermon preached after this, Peter said to the crowds, repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, he said, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the solution to when we look at our life and we think, it's not going as I'm supposed to. I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to do. I feel powerless when I'm supposed to be powerful. I'm not loving when I'm supposed to be loving. I've got no self-control. I'm supposed to have self-control. The Bible says you need the Holy Spirit. You need him in your life. We think, oh, what can I do to change this? What, what lifestyle decisions can I make? And that's reasonable. And the letters that Paul writes are full of good, practical advice. But what we need most, and what Paul consistently assumes in his letters, is that we need the power and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so we're going to look quickly at the three elements uh, that Paul lists here. They're not the only things that the Holy Spirit gives us, but they're a good summary. And as I describe what Paul means by them and God's intention for your life, I want you to be thinking, if you think, I need that, just start immediately, I would say immediately start saying to God, Lord, I really need that. Please, would you give me some of that? We're going to, at the end, just have time uh, to receive from God and say, please, would you give me more of what I need? Please, would you give me more of your Holy Spirit? But as I'm going along, if you... you hear something, grab it. Remember, God is pleased to give these things to us. He's looking forward to doing so. He's he's not going to give us these things as a reward for good behaviour. Can you imagine an army commander saying to their troops, 
right guys, off you go and fight. And if you fight really well, next time I'll give you guns. <laughs> He's not going to do that. He knows that you need him. He wants to give you himself. So listen up. Grab things in faith as we talk about them. And later, uh, we'll uh, pray that God will give them to us. So firstly, Paul talks about power. God is mighty and he wants to work mightily in you and through you. And the Bible is full of this happening. We see very ordinary people filled with the power and the strength of God. The famous story of Samson, a guy of mighty strength in the Old Testament. He can like push buildings down, tears lions apart with his bare hands. And so you think, well, what does that kind of guy look like? You think he's a very well-built kind of guy. Surely he works out a lot, a lot of protein shakes, all that kind of stuff. I think Samson looked like me, but with longer hair. (laughs) Because the Bible is explicit that his strength came from God says the Holy Spirit fell on him and then he was able to do mighty works. That's how it happened. That's to be true for us as well. The New Testament is just full of this. The word power that Paul uses here is used like 120 times in the New Testament. That's quite a lot. It's used to describe the amazing things that Jesus did. And then it's used to describe the amazing things that Jesus' followers did. And then they use it to describe the kind of things that the rest of us are to do as well. There's no point at which this power stops being applicable to the people of God. The book of the Acts of the Apostles, describing uh, what Jesus' first followers did, starts with him saying, you cannot even begin to do this. You can't even begin to tell people about me and live how I'm calling you to live. Don't even try until you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that to them. He says that to us. These were the best trained people. They had been handpicked and chosen and trained by Jesus. As Dan said, they had blown it, but he brought them back and they'd seen him alive after death. You think, who could be better ready? They've surely got everything they need. They haven't if they don't have the Holy Spirit. They need his power. Paul experienced this as well. Phenomenally intelligent guy, very able. But he says to the Corinthians, I was with you in weakness. And in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. When he went into the city, Paul felt phenomenally aware of his weakness, but believed that God would work mightily through him. And he knew this was for everyone. He talks in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we are given power by God, from God, for the good of others. He says, one's given the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To one, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to know what's going on. Uh, To another, various kind of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The gifts of God given among us, are empowered by the Spirit. And then he gives us power for ourselves. He pray, He says to the Ephesians, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, 
he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. That you, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the love, uh, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Sometimes we, we kind of say, well, you're like, oh, if I'm feeling emotional, then maybe I need more of the Spirit. But if I want to work things out, then I need to think by myself. And Paul says, I pray that you would have power from the Spirit to know the love of God. We need the power of God for ourselves and for others. And so we can ask that God would do that. We can ask him to give us his power. We can ask for gifts like healing and prophecy that we would do others good and demonstrate the power of God to the world around us. I've kind of just skimmed over that in a way, but particularly if you're thinking, what is prophecy? When you've heard Rachel come this morning and say, I feel God's wanting to speak to us. And if you've been here on other occasions, and people have brought the sense of, I believe God's saying this, or God is speaking to us now and saying these things. And you think, what is that? I'd love more of that. Well, I want to invite you to our Growing the Prophetic track that's happening in March. It's all about that. And you'll have an opportunity to understand more of how this works and how you can grow in it. It's going to be, it's going to be really good. And that's one of the ways in which God gives us his Holy Spirit power. It happens in a variety of ways. You may feel very conscious of it when you receive it. It might just feel like you know, just an electric shock of power coming in you as Almighty God works himself in your life. You think, man, I'm aware of God here in his presence. It may just feel like the subtle changing of the direction of the wind. Or you may only see its effects in the people God blesses through you. It's a matter of faith, but I think that faith works itself in two really different ways. So when I preach, which I believe God, I ask God to work in power through me, sometimes I feel highly conscious of that power. Sometimes I feel I just know that I can say things and do things and God is going to work mightily through them. And I'm totally confident. So my faith is, is alive in the moment. I'm saying, God, come and do whatever you want. There are other times where I don't feel any of that. Uh, but I know that God definitely wants to bless people as I preach. And so, I, so my faith is engaged in that way. I say, well, God, I know you want to do this. So let's do this. So you, th- this power of God, if you just kind of wait, think, oh, I definitely feel power now, it might not work that way. God just wants to say, no, you believe me? Well, let's go then. And we see as we step out that we're able to work in the power of God. Other times, that may happen to you this morning, you're just so aware of the power of God and the presence of God, you're like, I definitely know he's here, I've got faith. It can work either way or in different ways because God's able to do whatever he likes, really. He wants to give us power. He also wants to give us love because you can have all the power in the world, but if you don't have love, it won't count for anything. And that's a familiar sentiment uh, to us. Uh, You may be familiar with it if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Uh, If you've ever been to a Christian wedding, there's a high chance that you'll have heard 1 Corinthians 13 uh, read. It's the description of God's uh, divine love. And it's, it's a beautiful chapter and it's great to read it at weddings, but Paul actually puts it in a discussion about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is between, as you'll have guessed, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And both of those chapters are all about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us and giving us gifts of his Holy Spirit. And in that context, Paul says, 
but you've got to have love too. We love, John says, because God first loved us. He wants us to experience that love, to know his love in us, and for it then to flow out from us. We can know that God loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Absolutely right. But if you just know it as a fact, I just don't think you've got the fullness of what God wants you to experience right now. He wants you to know that's true. For that fact to come alive, for when you read the love of, about the love of God, to be thrilled with it and amazed by it as God bears witness with our spirit that he loves us. Romans 8 says that, that he does that. It says, you have not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he's telling us this. He's asserting this to us. He's saying, this is who you are. You are to experience this by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like a parent walking along with a kid and the kid knows the parent loves them. Suddenly the parent just like picks them up and swings them around and tells them how much they love them, how much they cherish them, how wonderful they think they are. And the kid goes from that moment, knew that they were loved beforehand, but now they know in a fresh way. It's when a lover arrives um, spontaneously uh, bringing flowers. And the person was like, well, we ha- you often, well, I know when I carry flowers, I kind of sometimes I walk past people think, what's he done wrong? <laughs> and I sometimes want to be nothing. Because uh, it's, it's that, that initiative moment, it's like there wasn't trouble, but, it's just, uh, but you bring it and there's a moment of, oh, you brought me flowers, that's wonderful. This is the, I, I knew beforehand. But now I know in a moment, experience it, the love of God. This love of God is poured out into us and then flows out from us to others. Jesus said it was to be the hallmark, the defining characteristic of his people, that they loved one another. And again, as Dan said, they were a motley crew. What happened? Well, they experienced the love of God. And as it changed them, it changed how they related to one another. The Holy Spirit wants to do this with us. He wants to give us and share through us his love. And then finally, self-control. If you're a parent of a toddler, uh, you will know that vibrant life is a wonderful thing. And it brings some issues, brings some challenges. There's no problem with self-control in a graveyard. Everyone stays exactly where they've been put. But we, the people of God, are to be filled with the life of God. We're to be filled with the power of God. And that means we're going to have to work out how to use that. And how to be careful. And how to have mastery over ourselves that we make good decisions in those moments. That we are led by God in the fullness of the way that he wants. Often we grab it in the moment and we have a sense of excitement. And oh my goodness, and then we just go off all by ourselves. And God says, I want to, I want to stay with you in this process. Now when we talk about, if you talk about power, you think, clearly I, I can't heal anyone. Clearly I need the power of God. We talk about love, we think, yeah, I can try to love people, but it would really help to get some divine love. But self-control, this sounds like, well, this is now in our category. You you go to the gym, set your alarm earlier, bite your tongue, make a plan, turn your phone off, whatever it is, those are things you need to do. But Paul says that we miss out on God's gracious giving of himself if at this point 
we start to trust in ourselves. He often uses the word flesh to mean doing things in our own strength or in the human default, which is uh, opposition to God. And he contrasts that with the work of the Spirit. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He says to the Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun your Christian life by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Rhetorical question meaning, no. And he says to them, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of, your, of the flesh. If you want more self-control, if you want those bits of your life that just seem a little bit wild to be brought back in, if you know that you're experiencing more of the power of God and you want to know, how do I keep using this for the best of what God wants? You need the Holy Spirit. You don't then come into this moment of being like, right, now it's time for me to take charge of this. The Holy Spirit doesn't take over our will. We don't become kind of like robots or anything like that. But he prompts us, he frees us, he shows us and he enables us and empowers us to make the choices God would have us make. Like the gifts of power, like the gifts of love, these things can happen in an instant, in a moment, and they sometimes require a lot of God's patience. So when God got hold of my life uh, when I was 20, there were things he just overnight literally stopped. I used to swear a lot, tell uh, dirty jokes all the time, and he just stopped it in a moment. I used to drink a lot, he just stopped it. Uh, just, the desire went. But in terms of feeling, uh, in terms of being uh, bold, um, in terms of laziness, uh, he continues to work those things through in me. They continue, I'm like... God, I wish you'd done all of it like those things. But he was like, well, I know what I'm doing. And so we receive this and we ask for it and we ask for more and more of it. We know we need him. We know we need him in these ways. So as you stand before the gates of your city or your school or university or the doors to your office or a coffee shop or even your own home, as you stand before them knowing that as you go in, you are going to feel weak and inadequate. Don't you want God to be with you? Don't you want the active power of God to be at work in your life? Well, he's offering it to you right now. Right in this moment, you can receive the power and the love and the self-control of God. He's always with us by his Holy Spirit, but he wants to work powerfully. Paul says, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Whoever you are and however your life is going, you need more of him. And I want to encourage you now, uh, why don't you stand up, if you're able to stand, and I just want to say, let's receive him. Let's receive him. How do we get this? We ask. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you want him, ask him. Ask him right now. Just turn your mind to him and say, Lord, I need more of you. I need more of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I'm just asking on our behalf that you would right now fall upon us. Fall upon us in your grace and with your love and with your power. Come now, Lord God. Come now. How he chooses to answer is up to him, but we get to do the asking. So ask right now. Your heart and your mind, you can say it out loud if you want, however you want to say Holy Spirit, please, I need more of you. 
I need more of what's been described. I've just given you glimpses. The full picture is to be discovered. Let's ask him for it. Come, oh God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come by your Spirit. Lord.